You've now locked into Living Blessed, the podcast, where we're talking the highs, the lows, the darkest moments that we've all hidden from the world, and everything in between. This is the moment of truth. This is why we're living blessed. And now, your host, Jovan J. Palmer. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Living Blessed, the podcast. I'm your host, Jovan J. Palmer. And as always, we have special people telling transformation stories. And I have my bro, Chef Beasley in the crib. You already know what's How going on. How you feeling, on. brother? Feeling good, bro. Feeling Atlanta's good. I'm, number I'm, one chef. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored to have that. I'm honored um, to have honored. You, Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Got my beer back, so definitely, <laughs> definitely in the building. Beer game. Yeah, Joe said I couldn't come back so I have a beer. <laughs> no, sir. Right, no, no, sir. No, sir. <laughs> Beard's on. But uh, yeah, man, I'm definitely happy to be here. Uh, putting a lot of work yeah. this past uh, year. Don't get my name out there. It's out there. People been uh been, been rocking with me, so I'm very appreciative and, and working on building it up. Keep keep going. Be, being consistent. Just having fun with food. Yeah, that's what I do. Let's jump into <laughs> it, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little background, who you are, who is Chef Beasley, how'd you become Chef Beasley, all that good stuff. Oh, who is Chef Beasley? Um, I became. I started my culinary journey at 15. Mm-hmm. Started as a, a dishwasher. My mom was a GM at a hotel. And, um, of course, I wanted to work. You know, school wasn't really my thing. So, in order for me to get a job, I had to start in the dish pit. Uh, started working in a dish pit, got tired of washing dishes. So, I started asking the chefs, like, can y'all show me something? You know, so uh, one of the OG chefs, uh, he took me on his wing. He was like, all right, I started throwing you stuff. Uh, I think my first dish I made was a quesadilla and everything. And um, it just took off from there. I just wanted to learn more and more. Then I started doing banquets. And stuff like that. Um, yeah, that was that was the start of it. And then, you know, as as the years went on, I just started uh, working in the airport. I want to say I opened maybe seven different restaurants in the airport. Uh, spent a lot of time there, and just experimenting my way through the culinary world, through different restaurants, um, meeting with different chefs, and just connecting that way. Just, just started, you know. Using what I learned from them to create my own style of cooking. Got you, got you. Yeah. Now you're a Atlanta, Atlanta native, right? Yes, born and raised. Grady baby. Grady baby. Grady baby. <laughs> Grady what baby. was it like growing up in Atlanta? Because I'm not from Atlanta, so mm-hmm. I don't really know what it's like growing up in Atlanta. I know, of course, what it's like growing up for me. But what is it like you being a you know, Atlanta native? You've seen, you know, what year are you born? 80, 87. 87. Okay, 87. so same year, same age. So we, you've seen mm-hmm. Atlanta for 34 years. Mm-hmm. What was it like? Um, well, the people who know Atlanta now, it is totally different from the Atlanta I grew up in. Okay. Um, I could guess my family, I got a little crazy background. You know, okay. everybody got a crazy side yeah, of the family. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, part of that family was on that side of the fence. They did that side uh-huh. and everything. And uh, the other side was the more holier side. So, <laughs> I was in the, uh, both the best worlds. Um, yeah. So, Atlanta to me, it was more, it was more family vibe, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, we had underground Atlanta, so like that was a spot, kids, everybody hanging out at. Uh, back when Linux was fun to hang out at, um, definitely we used to hang out in the food courts. That's okay. how I knew I love food. We would hang out in the food courts with all the friends, especially at underground Atlanta, uh, by Five Points. Mm-hmm. They had the arcades, all that stuff down there. So Atlanta back then, to me, it was more of a family oriented thing. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. You could. So many more events. Um, the the food culture was a lot different because you had those more southern 
cooks mm-hmm. who didn't go to culinary school, but they can cook. You yeah, know, yeah, and, and yeah. like they cooked at the churches and all that stuff. Right. So you have a lot more of those people in the in the, in the restaurants. So you was able to learn that that southern culture from okay. them. It has changed a little bit, but during that time in Atlanta, it was just like for me, the food scene was more southern. Mm. And more, uh, more home for me from what I grew up on. Cause like my family is all from the south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's good now. It's, I'm getting wrong. It's still good now. But uh, back then, it was just to me more of the um, when I experienced more of the beginning of of the, the southern roots, and I got a chance to experience that because you had more of those people in these kitchens than you do now. Okay. So that like I said, my OG when I was in high school, dishwasher, yeah, he was yeah. one of those chefs. <clears throat> so I had a chance to really learn from a, a OG chef. Gotcha. That's the true southern roots. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to learn from that. So okay. I kind of feel like that's what's missing now in the culinary scene. We need so, some more of those OGs. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff just like kind of holding mm-hmm. it down and really just mm-hmm. kind of help navigate people, yep. the newer chefs yep. in their way of cooking. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So uh, let's talk about let's get into your childhood. What was it like as a child growing up in Atlanta outside of like the cooking experience and stuff like that? What was that like for you as, you know, growing up? In Atlanta, you know, because everyone has their own view of life and how mm-hmm. things kind of like curated for them. How has life been for you growing up as a youngin into adulthood? Uh, for me, I would say my childhood was it was challenging. Okay, you know, um, like I said, my family, I get the the best of both worlds. I had that not so good side, uh-huh. and then I had the, the the holy side. So yeah. I was in between a lot of that. So I saw a lot. From the uh, drug scene, all of that stuff, I saw that. I saw a lot of secret stuff from the whole so-called church scene. So mm-hmm. that seeing both of those worlds, um, it kind of confused me a little bit because you know, as, as growing up, my mother, she was a single mother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't have too many male influences. And the ones I did have, they weren't the positive male influences, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of a um, a gift and a curse, mm. you know what I mean? So um, let's start with the, just, the gift. The gift The gift was, it was all still family, you know what I mean? No matter how much bad what was going on, all that was going on over there, somehow we all came together as family. Okay. And no matter what it was, food was involved. Yeah. So that was a gift, you know what I mean? You still got to see... Everybody coming together, and we're all coming together through food. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's what the most memorable moments of my childhood, just to see, you know how to cook out. People don't do cookouts no more. We did cookouts all yeah, the time. Yeah, I just thought about that. All the time. All the time. You know what I mean? Like, I said, my mom was a hotel. She worked yeah, hotel. Yeah. So I'm a hotel kid. So all the coworkers, everybody at somebody's house on their weekend having cookout, that was a lot. That happened a lot during my childhood. So those are some very memorable moments. Like I said, that family and that food. You know what I mean? We don't do cookouts no more. <laughs> hey. Ain't nobody doing cookouts I, no more. I man. did not realize yes. that cookouts aren't really a thing like yes. that. I guess like the potlucks kind of took over mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah, and people don't trust people cooking no more. So Facts. it's like, <laughs> you can't even have it because they not trust people food. But back yeah. then, oh man, that was it right there. Like you, Everybody kids, that's how everybody kids grew up because we got so many god sisters and yeah. great cousins. Those always... Together through food, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So that type of stuff stopped. So that was always the gift, and then the curse yeah, <laughs> of yeah, it all. Yeah. You would see people going to jail. Mm-hmm. I've seen people getting killed. I've seen. I've had to do things for family members to mm-hmm. drop stuff off so they can get stuff in return. Uh, then on this side of the family, family secrets they don't want because it's because of the church. They don't right, want to right. tell certain stuff. 
you think this person your play cousin, but really your real cousin. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Because it's in the church, they don't want to talk about it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that was a curse for me. You know what I mean? I never understood that that part. Like, okay, we come together like this during this time. Mm-hmm. Why are we so divided on on, on the outskirts like this? Right. So I never understood that. The part confused me a lot because, like I said, even with having those male influences, mm-hmm. they're not positive, but. When you there. get home, you like seeking for that fatherly uh-huh. attention, and you like, do I go over here with my uncles? Even though they doing this, I've seen them do this, but you want that type of love from from male yeah. male figure. Mm-hmm. So you, you're confused. Gotcha. So you don't know which route to go. Then you go on this side. You see the the you being glorified, yeah, in the church and at home. But when you when you get to a certain area, you treating your family a certain way. You treating your wife, your kids a certain way. So it's just like. I was confused, like who to look up to. Gotcha. So, are you painting a picture that dad just wasn't in the picture, or like what was was dad there or not there? It was vaguely there. This side keeping secrets, gotcha. like um, he'll be there, but then um, this side he was connected in the drug game on that side. So jail, mm. in not a jail, but on this side, my family trying to keep it secret, like you know. Your dad's in jail again. No, just imagine being in the third grade. You see your dad on news <laughs> going to jail. <laughs> Yo, you talking about embarrassing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was embarrassing to see his mugshot on the screen. Uh huh. They're telling what he did, and I'm just like, but my mom, they tried to hide it from us mm-hmm. and everything. That's why everything was just so confusing. Yeah, you get. That that good side, but then you looking at the news like, yo, this is my like, dad. Yeah. Like, mom, what's up? So what's going through your, in that stage where you're seeing your dad on the news, on channel, whatever, three, five news, mm-hmm. what's going through your mind as a kid trying to grasp understanding of the good, the bad, and the ugly of just a family unit in a sense? It's like, I was thinking to myself, like, why I just won't tell me what's going on? Right. You know, I feel like growing up, when I look back now, I was the kid that just wanted to know, just like, just tell me, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I can, I can take it. You know, when I saw on this side, my dad, them drugs and yeah. all that, beating up people. I right, mean, right. I didn't fully understand it, but I saw it and they didn't try to hide it. But, you know, as a kid, you just like, all right, I guess that's what they do. Yeah, yeah, it's part of life. But when you on this side and you're trying to, like, not talk to me about it, you hide it, it made me look at you differently. But at least I'm getting the truth over here. It might yeah. not be the good truth, right? but I can accept, like, this is what's going on. But when you on this side, you're not trying to... Tell me what's going on. You're not being truthful. I'm trusting you mm-hmm. to like really let me know what's going on, and you're like shielding it and keeping it away. It just makes the situation more confusing because I'm getting the truth over here, but over here, you're not telling me the truth, and you're yeah. trying to make it seem like the truth. Right, so right, right. It caused a lot of confusion because um, at that time, you know, as a young boy, you're seeking that that fatherly uh, influence. Mm-hmm. You know, I had an older brother, but he's just three years older than me. And so we didn't really jail like that. Right. But uh, for me, I was just always into. You know, I love the older, I wanted that male influence. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I was that type of kid. Mm-hmm. And so trying to get it, it didn't work out. And it just caused a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of confusion. Now, you say confusion. Like, what kind of confusion did it cause for you? Like, just, I'm seeing my dad. So, like, why is he in, in the picture more? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it's like, like that story where, I, you know, kind of the old school story where uh, they talk about, Dad grew up literally down the street, mm-hmm. and he just wasn't there the entire time. Yep. Kind of one of those situations. Okay, okay, okay. One of those situations because it was just like 
okay, you know who my dad is, Grandma, my dad. So why is it, isn't he involved with me more? You know what I mean? So that just really confused me too. So I'm okay. just like, that don't make any sense. Like, I know you live, so like, why don't you come pick me up sometimes? Mm-hmm. Do this, do this, and that. But it just caused a lot of confusion. Then you got your mom on this side, you know, telling you other things. So you're just like, okay, something right here. Yeah. And all I want to do is just, I just want family. <laughs> At the end of the day, I just want to be, we don't even have to, you don't have to be with my dad. I just want to say, hey, I have a relationship mm-hmm. with my father. Even though you're on this side, right. not doing what I think is right, at least I have a relationship with you. And I, I know I can build that as I get older. But not building that relationship and then you got mom telling you other things. It just, like I say, it caused so much confusion. So looking back on that <clears throat> as an adult now, where do you see things you wish could have been just different? Or what do you feel like, you know, if, if this would have happened, my life could have been a little bit different now? I think if both parents would have put the child first, I think a lot of times during that time, like you said, your dad lived down the streets. A lot of family went through that. A lot of family got those secrets, you know what I mean? And it's like, if you would have just put the child first, those feelings as parents wouldn't have gotten in the way. And yeah. then you could have like maybe co-parented and the situation could have been better for the child. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I said, I saw the best of both worlds. I mean, like I said, it wasn't pretty. Right. But right. if I would have had both parents trying to navigate me through that, it would have made a lot more sense versus them being confused about like, okay, you tell me this, I'm seeing this. But if both parents could have came to the, all right, let's just do what's best for the child, then it probably could have turned out a little better. Because gotcha. a lot, yeah, the old Atlanta, even though it was fun, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was different than now. You know what I mean? Everybody looked out for each other, but a lot of people in that area did the same thing. Now, what area of Atlanta did you grow up in? Uh, pretty much Southside, Old National Gabby Road, okay, Cleveland Avenue. So, is it the same Old National Gabby Road, Cleveland Ave that I see today that you've seen growing growing up? No, it's 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 in my opinion, um, it's it's worse now, really, because. It might sound crazy. Even all that was going on, it was still some sense of structure. Gotcha. Like, they wouldn't letting old women get attacked or robbed and stuff like that. You weren't doing certain things you see now. Like, yeah. right now, it's just crazy. I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Yeah, I worked in the area for about f- five years. Mm-hmm. And it's just a place I just feel like they always tell me you don't want to be there after a certain time. Mm-hmm. I've been there 4th of July. I'm like, is this gun for work? These gun it's gunshots or these fireworks? Yeah. I've been there, you know, just because I worked in a group home in the area. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to try to, like, keep the kids from the neighborhood stuff and still try to keep them on a straight and narrow. So how did you, growing up in that area, like, not choose drugs or not choose gangs or not choose violence mm-hmm. and still make it out to where you are today? Um, I think for me, I was a observer. You know what I mean? Even though I had that side of the family, side of the family, I kind of observed um, where I wanted to go. So I would gravitate towards certain people. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll give you a good example. Um, we you had to move with my mom's friend, and we live on the west side of Atlanta, mm-hmm. like Adamsville, that area. And so uh, we moved in with our, her, her. She had three kids. Uh, her son was the oldest. He was a junior in high school at the time we moved in. I think I was in the fourth grade. Uh, moved in, 
Uh, she had two daughters. It was a hood and everything, three bedroom apartment. So you got two families. Mm-hmm. My mom, my, me, and my brother, her kids, her, her and her three kids. So we in this three bedroom house. So I gravitated towards him because he was into music. Gotcha. Uh, you remember the artist, The Dream? Yep. yep. So they was in the singing group uh, during that time. Yeah. So I know that. Even though we was, yeah, it was crazy. So even though we was in the hood, they would be in an apartment practicing. So I gravitated towards that. Oh. Now, mind you, this is funny too. You see? Yeah. I saying I can sing a little bit. I okay. got a I got a chorus scholarship. We'll talk about that. Okay. But uh, so it was so funny. Even though in the group they still had two dudes who was in the drug game, so it was like even though it was on that side, they were still doing something positive. They was in a singing group. Mm-hmm. So all of them, I would watch them practice. They'd be in the living room. I would literally try to follow them everywhere. It's so funny. One of the uh, group members, he was a First person actually showed me how to use a gun. I mean, we was in the kitchen, and he was just, like, taking his gun apart. And I was just asking him about it. And he showed me, put it together. It was a little gun. Yeah. I was like, so my first time ever putting the gun together. He in a singing group, singing bass. <laughs> he, he got a gun and dealing drugs. It was so funny. But, um, yeah, so it was just like I gravitated towards them because they was like, that's when I fell in love with music. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the fourth grade. At that time, it was a high school called Harper Archer High School. My cousin, he went there. So I would leave elementary school, go to the high school, and just be sitting in the band room. Like after band after school be out, band practice start. They let me be a part of the band. I played the cymbals, so that was my first experience. Uh, so it, I gravitated towards that. So yeah. it was just like, even though he was in the hood, even though he had people in that group still doing their thing, I gravitated towards the positive of it all. And it was music, and it was in a singing group. So it was it was crazy. And then I got to be a part of the high school band uh-huh. in the fourth grade. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was a different experience for me to be around that environment because even though I'm in the fourth grade, I'm around all these high schoolers. I'm peeping how everybody dress and everything. So I go back to fourth grade, dress <laughs> nice like the high school kids. They look like dressed up. I'm like the high school kids. Do you kids do. So I'm around it all the time. So you kind of, in a sense, grew up a little faster than the mm-hmm. average kid your mm-hmm. age. Surely did. What's it? Did. So is that another gift and curse? Um, I would say yes. The gift was just to be around the maturity mm-hmm. and to be around like older kids. Um, a lot of them they wasn't doing anything crazy, especially in the band. They just really loved the band, and just to see those group of kids really love music in the band, I gravitated towards that. I'm like, oh, okay, so you found like your thing. Yeah, you just, like, like, even though I'm playing the cymbals, you know what I mean. I don't understand everything, but. This whole percussion section, I'm the fourth. I'm in the fourth grade. Like I got to be special. For sure. You know I mean, I'm the only kid out here. First time, you know how you go to the football game. Yeah. Halftime show. I'm like nervous. My first time going to a huge football field. It was just a lot. So that was that was the gift of it. And I can say the curse came from when I would go to school. I couldn't relate to the other kids because I'm talking about band yeah. stuff. Right. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. Like I can't wait to get. I didn't want to do work. <laughs> None of that stuff. I was just eager to hear them get out of school and just head to high just school. Head to high school and just get around the band kids. You know what I mean? Um, and that I think that sense of kind of separated me a little bit because all my attention went to just music. And like in elementary school, they didn't have anything music wise. Mm. So it was just like okay. So um, I think. I don't think I had friends because I was always around the older kids. Right. So you can't ha- you can't try to talk to a girl in the ninth grade, you in the fourth grade. Right. Like what you talking about? <laughs> so I didn't really have the friends like that. Okay. Because I was always around older people. 
Gotcha. And it's everything. like you can't hang with the older kids yeah. you're too young. Then mm-hmm. You're not really making a relationship with the younger kids because mm-hmm. your your mindset is just so mm-hmm. far gone towards the uh dang. Yep. And it was like the more and more mm-hmm. I was around the band and around my cousin, they was doing a singing group. Right. I remember one time they was practicing to do the national anthem for the Hawks game. Um it was it was a lot, you know what I mean? So just to be exposed and all that came in like one year. You know what I mean? Like we moved, even like I said, it was a hood. It was mm-hmm. it was dead roaches and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But it was like, even though it was a hood, it was still a sense of family. Because I was, I was a big kid. Mm-hmm. They tried to get me to play football, all that stuff. You know, they had a little uh, recreation park, stuff like that. So I wanted to play football, but my heart went in it. Yeah. It was like I was eager to get to, the to band. that band room. You know what I mean? Eager to watch my cousin and them practice. Like I didn't know the dream was going to be the dream how he is now. Right. And everything, like he, he dope. So just to see that at the beginning, I'm just like, okay, I was a part of something real special because sure. I literally would just sit there in the living room, they'd be practicing, watching them, everybody singing. I'm trying to sing with them, trying to come up with the songs myself. And so I think that moment in time like really shaped my love for, for music and my sense of family. Because mm. I was always in like family environments. Got gotcha. you. Know regardless so, of what they looked like. Mm-hmm, regardless of what it was. Like I said, they had a few members, they were doing their thing, but I didn't care because I knew my side of the family did that. And we still came together in cookouts. You feel me? So yep. it was a sense of just being around, just, mm-hmm. just family. Being gotcha. around family, man. Gotcha. So yeah. <clears throat> what would you say was the best part about being around family? Um, just seeing people so, uh, socialize. Mm-hmm. It was just like the, the, the talking. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, I was very big on just everybody just talking to each other. Laughing, eating, you know what I mean? During that time, you got to see everybody cooking who you didn't know who can cook. You're right. Like, okay, let me, let me see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So during that time, I feel like you learned a lot, a, a lot of teachable moments. Okay, okay. You know okay. what I mean? Because a lot of time, when you had them cookouts, you know, everybody enjoying themselves. Ain't yeah. nobody going nowhere. Everybody Music talking. Going, card games happening. Going, everything. So in the midst of all that, you're really just peeping everything and you're just learning from everybody because everybody, I feel like during those cookouts, Everybody was in that element. Gotcha. They was comfortable. They ain't wouldn't worry about no bills. They wouldn't worry about them kids because yeah. the kids around playing with everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a comfortable environment. And that's what I loved about that because it, it was like everybody was just they self. Yeah. You had a fake it. One nobody coming all dogged up. I mean, of course, they don't look good. Love it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Not like today. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody could get dolled up when they go anywhere today. Any and everywhere. Everywhere, bro. So it was like during that time, it was just like it was a sense of family, a sense of family and food. And what that did for me, it, uh, it it brought comfort, you know what I mean? Because like I said, I saw both worlds, but when it came to the family and the food environment, it was mm-hmm. just like, yo, this is it right here. Ain't nobody tripping. You know, I mean, everybody cooling it. They talking crap on the card game. That's that's fun. That's why I love spades now. <laughs> I don't know how you to know play. What I mean? Still don't know yes, how to play. What? Man, that's why I fell in love with that. So it was just that sense of family brought a lot of comfort for me okay. at a young age and okay. everything, especially what I was going through. Yeah. That's dope. So um you said you were going through what what do you feel like you were going through at that moment? Um before we moved my cousin, just trying to find that that consistent male role model. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I said, I got my uncles and my dad, but jail doing their thing. So it was never consistent. But once we moved with them, I'm waking up every day. You know, got my older cousin, he there. Mm-hmm. Not one band practice that I missed. So even though my cousin, he was a drum major. So it was like he knew everybody. Yeah. So it was more fellas around. So that added more value to that male influence that I was looking for with the singing group. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They were all different, 
but they all still had that sense of brotherhood and stuff like that. So, like I said, that that year that was like the the top of my childhood because yeah. I got everything I think a child would need. I got it, even though we was in a crazy environment. Right, right. You still got it. You know what I mean? And um, that's why I'm very grateful mm-hmm. for that because like I said I fell in love with music. Uh, fell in love with just family overall, and I just fell in love with just community and just being together. And I feel like that's what like really uh, was embedded in me, and it's still to the day embedded in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely, that's it was just what I was going through, just trying to find that. Got you. So you talked about the highs of childhood. What about the lows of childhood? We all the have low? like these moments yeah. that we can remember all the good times that kind of help us reflect on where we've come from and how far we've come. But like, there's these lows in life that we all try to hide and push out of our lives, mm-hmm. and, but we can't because they're just there and they're just kind of stuck in our, you know, our subconscious mind. Like, what are some, some lows that you can remember from your um, childhood? My lows definitely came from uh, when we moved from my cousin. Uh, we, we was there for about maybe a year and a half. My mom finally got a good job. We was able to move since we moved off Cleveland Avenue mm. and everything. And uh, But she was still, she was in management role, so her hours were different. Yeah. And so moving to that area, didn't know anybody. Um, like I said, now I'm by myself again. But I just left my cousin, left the band, all that stuff. So you and moved then, from a whole school district? Yeah, a whole school district. Oh, so the on, band is not, gone now? Yeah, band's gone. Dang. Uh, we're on the south side now. Okay. On okay. Cleveland Avenue. We're staying on the, on the west side by Adamville. Okay. So we moved all the way on, uh, to the south side. So when we moved, uh, the area we was in, it was older kids, but it was more my brother age. You know what I mean? So they weren't really trying to mess with the younger right, brother right. and stuff like that. So I was alone for a minute and everything in my uh, fifth grade year, just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, then when I get to middle school, they offer band in middle school. So I'm like, bet. Well, I know how to do it. I know how to play the symbols. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, that's not really an instrument we need right now. I was just like, yo, you tripping. I know how to spin and all this yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, I can't play the symbols. And like, it's nothing they could like implement in two? Nah, man, it was crazy. I was Dang. just like, I want to play the symbols. She was like, nah, we're going to put you on a tuba. I was like, the tuba? <laughs> tuba, shawty. Like, yo, damn, I'm not even thinking about it. Uh-huh. So, um, so yeah, like I said, my fifth grade year, we moved to the area. I'm kind of alone because, uh, like I said, all the other kids, they cool with my brother. Mm-hmm. By this time, you know, uh, computers and stuff, my brother, computer t- uh, geek. Okay. So, they definitely gravitated toward my brother because during this time, you got Napster and all that yeah, stuff yeah, downloaded. Yeah, yeah. So, all the illegal stuff. It was hustling. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, I was alone for a good little minute. Um, then my sixth grade year came. That's when, like, everything just definitely changed. Mm. Because during that time, my mom, she accepted another job. Okay. And so, she would be away from home, like... Literally all week and come home on the weekend. She had to work in Columbus, Georgia. So she had to travel from Atlanta to mm-hmm. Columbus, Georgia, like what, hour and a half? Hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So she would be there the whole week. So now you got a, a sixth grader. My brother, he was in uh, ninth grade mm-hmm. at home. You know what I mean? No parent division, none of that stuff. Dang. And so during that time, that's when um, molestation started for gotcha. me. Mm-hmm. And this is like the, that's when everything just changed. Um, okay. Like I said, that neighborhood we was in, it wasn't, it was more so kid rent. Like I said, my brother three years older than me. So it was a lot of high school rent in the neighborhood, stuff like that. Mm. Really not a lot of coming together type of thing, everybody. Only reason they came to our house because they knew my mama went there. Right, right. So, so it was like freedom house, is, yeah. We got the cool house. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like where our apartment was, like 
we was in the middle, so everybody can just flock to our house, come from every Any direction, angle. right? And they right. getting cool with my brother, stuff like that. Um, like I said, at this time, I'm still I'm in like middle school, mm. and then that's when my station started, and it was like, oh crap, I'm alone. Mm. Who do I tell? Right. And I couldn't. I didn't tell nobody. You know what I mean? Like I said, my older brother, we didn't have that type of relationship because the person that was doing it, they were best friends. Dang. So it's like, you can't, how do you, yeah, how do you like, yeah. say like, yo, like, your friend mm. is yeah. touching on and me. And they lived upstairs from us. That yeah. made even worse. Yeah, they made it even so worse. So you had the house alone, the best friend is coming by, mm. doing, you know, God knows whatever. Mm. And of course, you're alone because you don't have an outlet to say, mommy, this is what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. Mommy's gone all week. You can't go to your brother because your relationship isn't like the closest thing. So you just feel like you're back into this aloneness again. Mm-hmm. How is it as a child at, you say, middle school or about yeah, what? My middle school about 13 now? Since grade, like 11, 12. 11, 12. Yeah. So at 11, 12 years old, what's going through your mind? What's going through your body and your emotions and stuff like that? Um... I was honestly trying to get back to my cousin because mm. I felt safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? You 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 found this environment where you're happy as a kid. You know, you're doing stuff normal kids wouldn't do, being the man, all this stuff. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to be here. Like, I was happy where we were and everything. And I can't express that to nobody because mm. my mom's working. Right. She's doing her best to take care of me and my brother. My brother, I guess he's he's really trying to fit in with everybody else because uh, even though when we lived with my cousin, uh, my brother he wasn't, I think he had maybe like two or three friends, okay, around his age, but he didn't flock to the music like I did. Right, so he was right. always with them, yeah, and everything doing like the gaming system and all that crap. That was their thing. But uh, during that time, it was just like I don't know who to talk to about this because mm-hmm. you know, as a kid, you know you lie, lie, lie yeah, a yeah. lot as a kid, so. My family saw me as just a liar because they mm. didn't think I told the truth and stuff like that. But why didn't they that? Because you know how you growing up, you just you lie. Oh yeah. boy, just, you yeah, lie about stuff. Just yeah, and okay. everything. So when I wanted to talk about it in my mind, I'm like, they already called me a liar. So, so they're not gonna, gonna believe me. Mm. What I what I'm so he's like kind of right like now. that whole the little boy cry wolf in mm-hmm. a sense. Mm. It's just like and then during that time with mom being gone, my brother they're older, we in the hood. Now you got these fast little girls. So everybody's pushing these fast girls. Let's, let's let's hop on these chicks. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. And so they wasn't. They didn't put me in that environment because I was still the the younger kid. Got you and everything. But I saw everybody doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. I saw them girls come to our house sometimes. They'll go to these people's house sometimes. So I'm still alone dealing with being molested by my mm-hmm. brother's best friend. And it's like I have. No outlet to talk to anybody about this. I don't even know. I don't even know why this is happening right now. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah. like, like, okay, we don't supposed to be doing this. Yeah, yeah. And I vividly remember one time. It's crazy. Uh, he spent the night, and it happened right my brother in the bed next to us. Mm-hmm. And I remember I told my brother this maybe two years ago. He asked me like, when did it happen? And I said one time happened. You sleep in the bed next to us. So in you the same I mean? bedroom, same there's room. you, your brother, the best friend. Mm-hmm. We have separate beds, and he molested me in another bed while my brother's in the other bed asleep. So yeah. I just carried that. I just carried it with me. I didn't tell nobody. Because during that time, it was like, oh, bro, you might be gay. I'm trying to figure out, like, no, I'm not. Like, I don't get why this is happening to me. Yeah. And so what I started to do, I was looking at porn. Like, you know how uh, it was so funny. My brother, he had a little checking account, and um, 
you can get on the website, but you have to put the, the routing number and the ticket number and stuff like that. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out, like which number is which, just so I get a little free trials. Yeah. You know, that's how I forgot you're supposed to cancel the trial. It was, it was crazy, bro. Um, uh, yeah, then they had, you know, Napster was out. Yep, so I yep, was downloading all types so of stuff. much stuff yeah, out with Napster, yeah. bro. It was crazy. And it was just during that time, um, when we lived out there, it's, it's called Metropolitan now, mm-hmm. but it was called Stewart Avenue. Okay. And that was prostitute central. Wow. Like, it was days where uh, my mom would be gone. Let me see. Um, and I would be by myself. My brother, he had all his friends over. Of course, I was getting bullied a little bit mm-hmm. when I was a fat kid. Yeah. And I would just leave the house and just walk. And, like, a few times, I'd be on Stewart Avenue talking to pimps. You know what I mean? They were like, hey, bro, just, just be a lookout. She'll serve you up. And you good. I did that a few times. Like, I just, really? be, walking. I just be walking up and down Stewart Avenue. Like, I knew pimps. Because I was by myself. You said Stewart Avenue is now Metropolitan. It's Metropolitan. So, all Metropolitan uh, used to be called Stewart Avenue. They used to have a strip club on there. Uh, on Cleveland, where the Walmart at now. There used mm-hmm. to be a strip club across the street from Walmart. I was in the strip club. That, um, that blue that purple. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, okay. Club. That building been abandoned for a minute Mm -hmm. since I've been in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I've been in that strip club. I started going there when I was like 13. Yep. And then on Stewart Avenue, that whole strip, just prostitution, that whole strip. Used to have a run and shoot over there. uh, Run and shoot. Oh, man. Yeah, I ain't from here. old Atlanta, (laughs) boy. So it's kind of like, you know how they just had that basketball tournament with uh, him finding it? Yeah. It's kind of that same setting, but picture... Like fifteen basketball courts in one building. Like that's when they used to shoot like the N one, all that stuff back in the day. They used to shoot all that at run and shoot. Really? Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So it's like this big place. It, the building's still there. They just changed to like a bowling alley. But uh it literally used okay, to okay. be um nothing but basketball courts. Nothing but basketball courts. That was during the N one time. Everybody used to be hot sauce and all them stuff. They used to come up to uh run and shoot. Oh, so you grew up in the prime time. a good time in Atlanta. And uh yeah, during that time. Like I said, I would just leave the house. Mm-hmm. Of course, my brother didn't care where I was going. Yeah. I'd leave the house, walking up and down Cleveland, walk down Stewart, talking to the pimps. Mm-hmm. And you know, they have naked, you know, squeeze a little something here, hug there. They like, Leon, just watch out for like 30 minutes. I watch out. That 30 minutes come. She'll come take care of me. I just keep walking. Be talking to the next pimp. Like, I was talking to these people, like, because I really didn't know where to go. Yeah. Because, like, I couldn't tell them about what was going on. And it's like, mom not here, my brother in the house entertaining all his friends by staying there. Mm-hmm. They're going to be doing all this picking on me and all that crap. Got tired so of that. you so, trying to find your escape? Yeah, I was trying to find my escape. You know what I mean? So I would just walk, get on, leave the house and just walk. Like I said, then they will celebrate. They were like, oh, you about to head out. They was, they was, you know, we all young. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was crazy. That was crazy Dang. time, man. So what's going through your mind um, in your first experience after the molestation and the, you got the pens and the prostitutes and your, that first experience, like what's going through your mind then? Like, is there any type of confusion? Like, is like, are you saying, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like because over here is, this is happening? Like, what's going through your mind then? Um, I think for me, it was like I saw the neighborhood kids priding themselves on sex and how many girls they was getting. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, they don't even know that I'm in a strip club. Yeah. I ain't telling nobody I was going to a strip club, stuff oh, like so you that. Really so just solo yeah, dolo. I was solo dolo. Like, they didn't know where I was going. My brother didn't know where I was going. Like, they didn't know I knew pimps. They ain't know none of that. Because when I left the house, it would just be me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would just walk. 
So during that time, it was like, all right, I'm being exposed. Come remind, mind you, I've always been around older people. Right. I just left my cousin. And that's what you gravitate so towards. So I can like instantly connect with like mm, older people because yep, I've yep. always been around them. So for me, it was just like, all right, bro, you don't know what's going on, but you're getting some sense of comfort from being around these pimps mm-hmm. and these older women, like, they checking you out. So it was just like kind of that comfort came from when I was with my cousin. Got you. You know what I mean? Because when I go home, I don't get this. I'm being molested when I get home. Dang. But when I'm out here, I'm like, okay. This is some sort of like yes. comfort and love yes. that you Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. Got you, got you, got you. Exactly. And I, I hate to say it's kind of crazy that it happened that way. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, like some people, they find their love, uh, like some women, they find their love after they've been molested. They go to clubs and, you know, they start telling anybody and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like I gravitated towards sex and women. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, this is not normal. This right. right. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I can't talk to nobody about it. Don't nobody know how I'm feeling. I don't even know how to express my feelings. All I know is I don't like it, but it keeps happening, and I have nobody to talk to about it. And the only way I can escape it if I just go go and take do, your walks, take my walks. You know what I mean? I know I don't like this. You know what I mean? But I don't know why it keeps happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so and it's like you are you want to tell people, yeah, but at that younger age. I've already got in my mind, like, fam, I already called me a liar anyway. So nobody's going to believe me. So, like, nobody's going to believe me. So, I just started, um, when I was around the pimps, I just started, like, listening to them, how they was, I know it might sound crazy, but mm-hmm. I was literally listening to them, how they was talking to women. But they, when I, I can't say this, they wasn't never, I never picked up disrespectful stuff from the pimps and stuff like that. They never did. So, that. the pimps, so, I don't think I ever interacted with a pimp before. So, are the pimps the same as what we see on TV. No. Okay. Like these dudes I was like around, they <coughs> never was like calling them out their name. They was always, this is why I think I'm so comfortable with women now. Mm-hmm. They were just always making them feel comfortable and, and, and loved. You know what I mean? It was, They never like talked down on them. So you think like the pimps preyed on women who've gone through a situation like yourself? Um, I don't know if they like preyed on those type of women, mm-hmm. but like, when I was around them, I never saw the uh, what is what's the word persona of how pimps are mm-hmm. calling women out their names, slapping them. I never saw that. I just saw how they treated women, even though the women was doing their thing. Yeah, I just saw how they was treating them, and okay. I picked up on that. I was just like, okay, he ain't bashing them, he ain't talking down. You know what I mean? He's loving on them, all that stuff. He talking slick. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she she feeding into it, <clears throat> and I was like, okay. So I started to pick up on that, and then I'm going to school. I'm talking to girls now, you okay. know what I mean? And next thing, it's crazy. Next thing I know, it's just like girls started to get more comfortable around me. Got you. You know what I mean? Because it's like you knew how to, mm. you talk to them from a male, an older male's perspective mm. versus like the typical whatever age you are at this time. Yeah, so yeah. they used to like the kids playing around, joking around, but you're talking to them from a older male perspective, mm. which is now massaging their ego. Mm-hmm. Now mind you, I was the fat kid. You know, everybody wasn't showing the fat kid no love right, like that. Of course, so yeah. if I'm coming to you and I'm talking to you and you like, okay, you know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, that's dope. But I never was ever disrespectful to women. I could say mm-hmm. I've never been like disrespectful to women. I just knew how to talk to them based off of being around those guys and seeing how the women responded to them. Gotcha. I didn't say I want to be a pimp. Yeah. It was just I started to fall in love with women. 
but not the right way. Got you, got you. you. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm falling in love with their bodies Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I'm always, I'm like, man, you're 13, sitting with a 20-year-old, 25, you know what I mean? Life is different now. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, your perspective is like, whoa, wait a minute. So how long did your molestation go on? Uh, It went on for about three years. Three years straight. So my middle school year was was all all that. Wow. And so you got the molestation going on. You have interaction with the pimps and the women. I don't want to call them the hoes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the pimps and the women and whomever they're interacting with, you're now sexually active. Mm -hmm. How what's what's this life like now? What's life like for young Beasley then? Oh, it's like an addiction because it's like at that age you're doing something. Even though like we stayed in the hood, you had the, the group home. The group home girls were fast. So it was like people around they doing their thing. Yeah. But for me, me to being the fat kid and you know not having many friends, now I'm experiencing sex with older women. I don't even think my brother them was doing with like older women and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I'm experiencing something that the kids in middle school aren't experiencing. So now when I'm going to school, I'm talking to the kids who are out here doing this stuff like I having sex at a young age mm-hmm. so I'm like because I have something to talk about to them right you know what I mean even though I'm in a band in middle school I can't talk to them about Bands women more, right. yeah you know what I mean because now sex is on my sex sex and how to make a woman feel good is on my mind 24-7 wow. 24-7 that's why I like so you're distracted very and the only thing that really kept me sane was the music mm. only thing was the music like during that middle school like 8th grade year mm-hmm. that's why I became really good on the tuba um, I had high schools come and look at me, trying to get me to come to their school, stuff like that. But I loved the music, but it was like the women and the sex. I loved that too. It was just like both of them was battling each other. So what's like, what was your, if you had it your way, what would be your choice? Between- oh, definitely the music. Okay. Definitely the music. What I know now, it would definitely be the music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like I said, I was able to see my cousin in their group. Yeah. And able to see how they all started from the beginning. Like I said, the dream is now he's Grammy Award winning. Yeah. So I'm able to say I saw that from the beginning. I saw that from the beginning. Right, right. You know what I mean? And that what made me fall in love with music. So, yeah, definitely music, man. Because like I said, it was so dope. I had different high schools. I'm looking at a tuba player. You know what I mean? I wanted to go to the, uh, the fine art school. Yeah. By my eighth grade year, I had made, I got friends in my neighborhood now. Okay, okay, okay. Um... Like they're in the band, so they live in the neighborhood. But they was uh, more um, successful with music. They mm-hmm. was going to like performing art schools, like right. all the way across town. Mm-hmm. You know, we stayed on the south side, and um, the performing art school was like by Lennox. Got you. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to go with them. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. They they dope with the music. I'm trying to follow them, stuff like that. But at the same time, they wasn't having sex and doing girls stuff like that. Got so you. that stuff with. Throw me off a little bit. Gotcha. They gotcha. might be practicing. I'm over here talking to the girls. You know what I mean? Trying to get my thing going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They practicing. I'm just like, nah, man. Let's get these girls real right, quick. Right, you know right, right. I mean? mm-hmm. And everything. But yeah, that's that. that uh, definitely will be the music. Gotcha. What I know now. So, <laughs> what is so? What drove your passion to cooking? To go like you know from because you're this sought after kid in high school now, mm-hmm. who pretty much. Music is your passion, but you're stuck, you know, kind of like entangled between sex, women, music. Mm. How did you go from the love of music to the love of cooking? Um, so it happened, when I tell you my love for music was mm-hmm. it was deep. 
Um, my 10th grade year, my band director, okay, um, he was another one of those father figures who I gravitated towards. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you know, uh, the sex was heavy, mm-hmm. I'm into the, the porn heavy, um, still walking the street sometimes because by this time I know people. Yeah. So this was like, you know, I know what I got to go to do this, this and that. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of somewhat popular in high school now because okay. my ninth grade year, yeah, <laughs> my yeah, ninth yeah, grade yeah. year, I was in a band uh-huh. and um, I did this halftime uh, dance routine with a senior. He was another dude. He played the tuba as well. Word. And he was like, they called us the Milky Way Twins. We were, he was like, he was, he was, it was a big dude. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah, like yeah, the little yeah. big dude. Right, so we right, had to right. do a dance routine <laughs> for homecoming uh, against the drum majors Word. in front of like everybody. So since okay. that, um, once we did that halftime show, like everybody just freaking in the school knew me as the Milky Way Twins. So that came a little popular. I was getting more attention from the older girls, seniors, uh-huh. stuff like that. My brother was a senior in high school at the time too. Okay. And, um, so during that time, yeah, so I got a little more popular. We got my band director came, and he was different. He was like that father figure that I hadn't seen since my cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, okay, bet. And then he brought more male influences around. Um, they went to Clockland University, so okay. they would all come around. And it was just like, okay, I love this. It was like that sense of family yeah. again mm-hmm. from when mm-hmm. I was with my cousin. All music, like it was, it was dope. It was Word. a good time. So it was a gift and a curse too. Um, it was so dope because. He instilled so much music in us. I didn't want to leave the band room. Yeah, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, I tell you, we would sleep in the band room. Like, we would hide in the instrument room. So we would have to go to class because we really want to be in the band room yeah, all the time. for sure. And uh, the curse came is when I failed all my classes but band. Like, Dang. yeah. So I had to do 10th grade again. Because I, I literally didn't want to leave the band room. I loved being around him. Yep. Um, all the other uh, male influence, they was in college at Clark. So they would come. You know, they, they, they schedule different, so they can come up there anytime. Whenever they want to, yeah. Being around them, learning more music, it was just like, I, I'm good again. I feel yeah. comfortable. Like, I know we in school, we still got to go to class. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to go to class, bro. And so, yeah, ended up failing, failing the 10th grade. And then he didn't like the administration at the school, so he ended up leaving. Dang. And it was like, once he left, it was just like, Back to that loneliness again. Yep, back to it again. So Dang. I was like, yo... And I, I can say he was such a, a great influence. A lot of the band, even though he went to a new school, mm-hmm. a lot of the kids in the band, we would um, take the bus and the train all the way. We went to South Atlanta, and he went to uh, Tucker High School over here. So we would take the bus and the train just to come over here Dang. to watch him yeah. practice his new band. We the same as these kids, but we ain't going to band practice because right. we miss him. Over here. Yeah, yeah. It was like that, man. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, it was just like, Okay, this is crazy. So you kind of fell out of love with music, mm-hmm. and then we ended up moving um, to Forest Park. My mom finally got a house. Mm-hmm. By this time, tenth um, grade, I had to do tenth grade again. My brother out of high school, mm-hmm. so now it's just me again. Yeah, in the house, he moved to a whole new area. Don't know nobody. Mm-hmm. Got this house. My brother, you doing this thing? Go to this new school. Their band sucks. Hey. Right. It was one of those little um, core style bands and everything. So they band sucks. So I'm just like, what do I do now? I'm at this yeah. new school. Mm-hmm. I don't know nobody. So I go ahead and play football. My uh, first year there, football team sucks. So I'm just like, yo, some got to give. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, next thing I know, I do what I do best. I'm talking to the females again. Like, mm-hmm. really getting to know them. Like I said, my mom worked a lot. We got this brand new house. My brother not there. Five-bedroom house. 
just talking to women. Now I'm back on the women and sex extremely heavy because mm-hmm. I didn't have my music. Yeah. Like the band wasn't good. I'd already got kept back. So school was completely it's like, right. I don't even want to be here. Yeah. I hated the school and everything, but I had nothing else to do. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, well, I know how to talk to women. You know what I mean? That's my thing. Maybe, maybe get out of here. This time I started, I was driving. You know what I mean? My mom, she uh, let me get the car. So once you start talking to women and you driving to, hold another ball over. So during that time at that school, I was really just, I was, I got in the van because of one of my friends, childhood friends, he went to the school, but yeah. I hated it. Mm-hmm. But I was able to talk to the women <laughs> in the van. They would tell their friends, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm just talking to them. And then during, during that time in Clayton County, it was a weird time in Clayton County. I don't know what it was. Uh, it had a lot of gang activity. So you had these young girls. They didn't care. I'd be talking to them. So I'm in 11th grade at this time, talking to 10th and 9th graders. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They didn't care about school. As long as I had a car. They were yeah. like, can I go? I remember one time, it was so crazy. This one girl I knew, I was leaving. She's like, where you going? I said, oh, I'm done for the day. I'm going to go to my car. So like, can I come with you? I was just like, okay. You know what I mean? That's yeah, the type of yeah. stuff I was on. I was like, all right, all fine. Right, she came with me, went to my house. We was there like to my mom go. And that's how I literally was at that new school. Cause like I said, I didn't have no friends like that. Mm-hmm. Even though I was in the band, I wasn't feeling it on their level because I just came from a black school. Right. And we did things a little different. Oh, so you had a predominantly like what? White school? Yeah, it was a predominantly oh, at that time it was a predominantly white school. Gotcha, gotcha. So okay, okay. My black band was different from Yeah, so, yeah. So it's more so like Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't really feeling we, we do dance routines. Yeah. And all that stuff. Like I said, they went to uh Banneretta, he came from Clark, so we were exposed to a lot of stuff. Uh, we was in the movie Drumline. He helped us get in that movie. Like he was, he was a good dope band director. Wow. Like yeah, it was dope. And we was around Clark a lot. I was saying that is, I was in the Upbound program. He mm-hmm. got us in that. So you put me on a college campus. I already know how to talk to women. Right. It's game. You know over. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's game yeah. over. You yelled you know? Yeah. Got it. You know it was dope. <laughs> so but yeah, once he left, like a lot of that just my mind just went back to like, okay, what do I do next? Because mm-hmm. now the person who I had, I saw that father figure, and he had other. Guys around who I looked up to as well, all that stuff is gone. Now. Yeah. I can't keep catching the bus out here. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's too far. And by this time, we moved far as far. Ain't no bus line. Mm. I had my car, but I ain't really know the highways and stuff like that. Yeah. When we had map quests, <laughs> had to print out <laughs> your directions. <laughs> Yo, print them directions yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, man. So during that time in high school, yeah, it just went towards the girls. That's when I started getting on the internet more. You, know, uh, you had the, the Craigslist, started yep, meeting yep. girls mm-hmm. online. Yeah. Had the MySpace, yep. meeting girls. So mm-hmm. it just really became my tenth or uh, second time doing tenth grade until I graduated high school. It was really about just women and sex. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was still dealing with being molested. Didn't yeah. know if I should talk to people about that. So I just put that in the back of my mind. But literally every day it was just like, all right, who I'm sleeping with today? You know what I mean? Who I'm finna meet online today? Yeah. Stuff like that. It was just so easy just to talk to girls. I'm just like, dang, that was easy. That's right, right. Yeah, it was like, okay. All right, do it again. Yeah. So, yeah, during that era, it was just like a lot of internet porn women. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, it, was, it was rough. <laughs> ah. Definitely so rough. How did you feel like coming out of that? Like, do you feel like you still to this day struggle with some of those things still? Or it's like you found a happy medium or you able to balance it now? I think to this day, I think my wife, we were just discussing this maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, I told her that sometimes I don't feel anything. Mm. Like, um, I think they call it in, in anxiety. It's anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's a type of anxiety. I looked it up. But uh, I don't feel nothing. Like, 
it's not that I'm mad at anybody. I don't, if I don't love you. I just really don't feel. Just, I don't just feel gone. emotion. Yeah, because yeah. it's like when I think about from the time stayed with my cousin, childhood was good. From molestation, then um, from my band director leaving to the, the, the sex and the, the internet stuff. Like, I ain't a lot of internet stuff. I could have been dead because <laughs> boy, <laughs> I know I did some crazy stuff. Same here, some crazy stuff. <laughs> Facts. Um, and it's just thinking about all of that stuff. It's mm-hmm. just like, like on top of that death. Like I said, it's just like so much emotions that you think you would just pour out. It's like I don't feel that. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like I told my wife. I said I don't like that. I don't like not feeling that I'm supposed to feel something. Right, I right. Said, that's not normal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And everything. And I told her, I'm just like, we got to figure out what's going on with me because I don't want my children to to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, when they come up to me, when they hugging daddy, I, sh- I should feel that. Right, right, you right. You I mean? want to kind of reciprocate that Yeah, same. I yeah. want to feel that love and energy. And if I said, if I don't feel that, then that's a problem for me mm-hmm. and everything. And then it does, it, it has affected me because when you look at it, you look at women a certain way. Right, right. I told my wife, I was just like, it, it took a minute for us, for me to actually fall in love because I was just so used to just sleeping with women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? When I met my wife, like, I met her. She's going to kill me saying this. <laughs> I met her online. Like, mm-hmm. we was online. I supposed to just been a quick little thing and let go. Right, right, but right. end up turning into a baby. Mm-hmm. And so when you go into that, having a family when you don't even know what like going on with you right right you just still stuck in just all sex mode mm-hmm. you know what I mean yep. like you're trying to be a family mm-hmm. so it, it caused a lot of struggles early in our relationship dealing with that not being not wanting to tell her that I had been molested you know wondering like what she's gonna think of me I always wonder like I tell people this like what they gonna think of me yeah because you sure. know during our generation like oh bro you gay yeah yeah, yeah yeah right I'm right. like no I'm yeah. not it's just that's I don't know how to yeah. tell nobody mm-hmm. right, what happened. Right. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I was very passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, cared a lot about what people think. I didn't want to get that out there. I'm just like, yo, let me just do my thing. Maybe it'll go away. Right, right, you know right. What for I mean? sure. But mm-hmm. as I got older, I'm like, yo, this ain't going away. <clears throat> yeah, Boy, this ain't right. You know what I mean? It, it caused me to cheat on my wife. Well, mm-hmm. she my girlfriend at the time. It caused me to do that because. I just needed so much sex. And I'm just like, yo, this ain't cool. Yeah. Like sometimes I would force myself to want to have sex, even though I didn't want it. Yeah, yeah. But that habit. That habit. Like, yo, bro, what are you doing? In. Like, come yeah. on. Like, Why are we not like, doing this? It's like I'm battling myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do this. But yeah. then that habit, like, yo, let's go. Got you. That caused a lot of problems and everything. So still, it's better today. Yeah. But I'm still identifying more and more things that I can work on mm-hmm. that help me long run. Because, like I said, I don't want it to affect my kids. I don't want to affect my For wife. Sure. I want to be able to have other people to say, hey, bro, I've been through this. Like, I didn't know you was doing this, and I'd be able to come to you and talk to you about right, it. Right, right, right. That made me feel so much better because it's yeah. like I genuinely just want to talk to just people talk to about yeah, yeah. what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My wife, she <laughs> it's so crazy. My, I told my brother and my mom mm. uh, maybe three <clears throat> years ago. My brother, he was, he was upset. Um, I take that back. My mom. I had told her my daughter was just born, mm. and me and my mom wasn't in a good place. So I told her what happened, and I vividly remember her on the phone gossiping to my aunts about it. And she didn't believe me, and wow. so that broke me. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. that right there, it caused more tension between me and my mom a little bit. And then to where when I told my brother, I told my mom again, and she listened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My brother listened. And I told my brother, I said, because they're still best friends to this day. 
Wow. I told my brother, I said, don't be mad at him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like yeah. I said, he was a kid. Right, right. So but I said, I still just want you to know what's going on mm-hmm. and everything because my wife, she don't like it. Because yeah. she, she, she don't she like, she, she, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. like, I don't see how you can just be so forgiving because uh, I just told her, I said, I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a kid. So I can't be mad at him. Right. Because he probably <clears throat> didn't know why he was doing it. Exactly. And I told yeah. my brother the same thing. Like I said, they're best friends to this day. So I was like, I don't want you to ruin your friendship mm-hmm. over something happened. I know you're mad. Right. But still, just, just, just think about it. Yeah. And everything. But overall, I just look at the situation as, you know, it happened. I still am affected, not by the porn and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but as far as the way I feel mm-hmm. towards certain things, like I said, my first encounter with talking to women came from pimps. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's embedding you for a long good time. little yeah. minute. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I've always been quick to talk to females. Like mm-hmm. I said, women always been comfortable around me because I've always knew what to say. Mm-hmm. Like I tell my wife all the time, I, bro, I know how to get you. Like, every time. <laughs> like I just choose not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. That, that talk is still in me. But when, she, even though that's in you, you're still looking at women that way. And I told my wife, I don't want to just look at you as just what's between your legs and your body. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah, I mean? I'm yeah, learning yeah, to, sure. to look past all of that right. and see how much more value you bring as mm-hmm. a woman, as a person. Yeah. And growing up, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to learn that. Gotcha. So that now I'm learning more and more mm-hmm. on that. That's why I praise my wife so much because she's been she's been teaching me. She's been helping me. Yeah, for sure. And everything. And so that's the thing I'm working on, just understanding more value in a woman mm-hmm. other than just sex and what they can do with their bodies and stuff like that. Sure. Because that was heavily embedded in yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My college years, um, I went to college for a semester. I couldn't go to class because that's all you, that's all you mind. I don't know my mind. You know what I mean? I went to a mixed school. I had never been with other races. So, so it was just like, all the best yeah, and we, we lived in the country. Um, school I went to was by Albany State. Mm-hmm. And so it was in the country. And so during that time, I had a uh, roommate. He was a white dude with a car. He let me take his car. I was messing with the girls on campus and people in town. So it was just like, I couldn't stay focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay yeah, focused. Yeah. Came yeah. home from college, still the same thing. Mom kicked me out. <laughs> it was crazy, man. Trying to battle that addiction. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. like sex, not working. Like I was paying for it, being girls. It was like it was real bad. Like I said, I almost got, I almost got kidnapped one time. Really? Yeah, man. One time, um, it's um one chick I met. I lied, told her I had the money, and I didn't. And so I left. And so she somehow she persuaded me to come back, mm-hmm. but something didn't feel right. So I go to her door. I'm knocking. She not answering. Well, something tell me to go to the end of the hall and just wait. So I go to the end of the hall. I see two big dudes. They walking. They don't see me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just standing there. They go to her door. She come out the door and point at me. I take off. <laughs> I'm like, yo. It was a stairwell. Um, I take off. I'm running down these stairs so fast trying to help me get to this lobby. I hear the door open. I'm like, yo, these dudes are finna get me. I'm scared. I'm running down these stairs so fast trying to help me get out that building. I'm like, yo, they is not finna freaking kidnap me. I ran to my car. I was like, yo, I can't believe I just put myself in that situation. I was like, wow. Cause soon as they soon as she pointed and they looked, dude was like, come here, bro. I said, man. So in that moment, like, was that it for you? That and it wasn't it for me. I just kept going. I was just like, yo, I am not doing that. Because I knew I didn't have no money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, see, I knew how to talk to women. Yeah. So, and it worked. So I'm just like, 
And I ain't gonna lie, I did it a few times prior mm-hmm. to. And uh, I was like, shoot, that was my karma that night. But I said, boy, they would have got me. Ain't no telling what would have happened. Yeah. And I ain't stopped after that. I stopped doing the money thing, but mm-hmm. I still kept messing with women, paying for it and all that stuff. But that moment, I was so scared. Like, I literally just ran. I was just running down that staircase like, yo, these dudes are not finna catch me. I'm glad I had a good head start. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Cause I had a head start, bro. Yeah. It, it probably would have been a serious problem, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like wow. I said, it, it it was rough. <clears throat> it was rough. I had put myself that whole time I'm driving home. Like, mm-hmm. yo, I can't believe I just put myself in that situation. It was crazy. It was crazy. And then later that night, went to look for somebody else. Cause that that, that addiction, addiction is just is talking just, stronger than it's, your, it's, your, yeah. your yeah your mental yeah for yeah, sure that addiction is real bro that's what I tell a lot of people I told my wife like I'm about to get out of social media because I feel like it's it's becoming too addictive mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna hire somebody to run my social media because I don't want to be on it no more I feel you it's just, it's crazy mm-hmm. and I said these addictions are really real because like, that situation me running for my life you would think somebody would have stopped. But by the addiction being so strong and me doing it for so long mm-hmm. it didn't allow me to stop you. yeah mm-hmm. it didn't allow me to stop. Even though a big dude chased me, but it, that addiction did not allow you to stop. Because like I said, I would still go home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not talking to nobody. So it's just me and my addiction yeah. in my mom's house. You know what I mean? We don't have that good relationship like that. Mm-hmm. As long as I pay the bills, like the money she needs for the bills and stuff like that. That's it, you're good. And you know, so during that time, it's myself, addiction, and the internet. You know, like Craigslist was crazy back then. They was really it was crazy oh, yeah. looking at it They was advertising yeah. like crazy on them. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And so during that, yeah, that, that that was hard. That addiction was extremely hard. I'm glad to have gotten over that. Like yeah. I said, I'm still healing from the wounds of that. Yeah, you for know sure. what I mean? Just relearning things. Mm-hmm. That's why I say I want to get off like social media because that, that, those addictions can cloud your mind, your for judgment. Sure. Yeah, and so yeah, we just yeah. completely eliminate certain things. You're mm-hmm. able to see clarity. You know what I mean? You're able to work through those things yeah. without even this. I even told my wife, I said, you might just have to hold off for sex for maybe like 30 days. I just want to just get my mind right. Yeah, right. So I ain't doing nothing out here. It's just me as a man. I just want to clear everything, detox all of that, those those wounds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I told my wife, I said, I know you can't heal everything, but you at least can acknowledge for sure. and just try just work through it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because I grieving. A lot of people never stop grieving. Yeah. But they just manage to work through it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't tell you I'm going to never want to watch porn again. Right, right. But right. it's not going to be how intense it was <clears throat> back exactly. then. Yep. You know what I mean? And that, that's why I just told her, I just like, that's what we're going to work on. We're just going to cut some of this stuff out. That's cut dope. some of this fat. And just start working from there. Because that addiction is real. Addiction is very real. Yeah, and sure. it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> It scared the crap out yeah. of me, man. That that day, chasing, running down them stairs. Now, now I'm thinking about it. Just like it could have got worse because somebody could have been behind that door. Yeah. You know, somebody could have met the bottom of them stairs, mm-hmm. waiting for me to come down. So it's just like situation could have got real worse. Could have been dead, mm-hmm. injured very badly because oh no, little dudes. You know what I mean? So and and at the same time, I didn't even think about what would happen to her. Mm. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, yeah, this 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 ain't life right here, bro. Yeah. This ain't life. <laughs> I'm glad you still here to tell the story, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Definitely glad to have yeah. you on. I'm gonna do a quick commercial break and I want you to leave us with something 
impactful. I mean, your story is already impactful. Yeah, man. <laughs> I didn't know there's so much more to it. Yeah. But um, quick, um, this episode is sponsored by the Emboldened Institute. It's an institution where myself and other individuals, we help you, people like you, to get over a dramatic situations like my bro Beasley has talked about. I send you out them text messages that allow for you to pretty much heal from the wounds that you've gone through, the past traumas and stuff like that. So what I want you to do is get on my text list, join me. It's 404-476-6780. That's 404-476-6780. I personally text you. It's no robots. It's no assistant. It's all me. You can ask me questions. You can get some free coaching, some free game. And I really want to help you heal. My thing is, I, my, my motto is, us loving each other and us healing together. So I want you to heal together with me as we yes, all go through this journey alone. So, BZ, man, just close this out real quick. Um, I would definitely say just look at all your trauma and ask yourself, are you willing to to heal, not for anybody else, but for yourself? Mm. Um, when you really become selfish with yourself and you want to heal from all those things, I think that brings more clarity and that brings a, a new sense of life, uh, a new sense of life. And you, you're more relieved. You know what I mean? I know it's going to hurt. It hurt me. I didn't want to tell nobody mm -hmm. what was going on. You know what I mean? But to be able to come in an environment and just talk and just get it all out, you'll start to see how much better you'll feel. So definitely embrace that, that trauma and, 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 and bring it to the light. For not everybody else, but for yourself, and just just watch how your your life gonna change after that. Because I feel good talking about it now. You know what I mean? Because I know it's gonna help other people. For sure. So for yeah, sure. definitely embrace it for yourself, and not for anybody else. It gets no better now. We're out. Peace.